Welcome to Beyond Damascus. This is the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Aaron Richards. I'm uh, our host for today's show, and I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus mm. Media Studio yeah. by my friends Dan Demite. Hey, Dan. Hello, sir. And special, special guest here for the Empower Youth Conference, uh, Christine Kane. Hey, mate. Yes. And Brad What's up? Perrin. Yeah, I'm over here. Welcome. Hey, That's can we open all of our shows by saying "Hey, mate" to each other hey, now? Mate. On like, hey, yeah, just, <laughs> the Australians are team. just cooler than us. Yeah. they are. It's true. <laughs> it gives you a little a little advantage in uh, in the preaching or worship leading world. It does. It does. I know. I think people just nod their heads as if they understand well, what we're saying. Here's a funny thing. So when I uh, I've I've done a couple missions in uh, in France, and when and when I'm in France, I've been told that my accent is is so cute and uh <laughs> and upbuilding and encouraging so it's uh you just gotta go you gotta leave where you're planted i don't this really want to i just is that called a mission this, do you find I do my accent say, encouraging? It's, it's very cute uh, but i also want to say it's not that you did mission in like outer siberia you're like Paris, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Champagne region, yeah, yeah. the Bordeaux on our, region. On our last show, I will oh. say, Christine, that you you cited your mission in Europe as one of the more here I am, Lord, send <laughs> to me to I, Santorini. I feel yeah to, to the Maldives. I feel very Amen. called Amen. to Tuscany, yeah. the, the hill country. Well, it's it's a blessing to have you here, Christine. It's Christine, uh, Christine Kane's special guest for today is uh, really a. a, a a missionary, a preacher who's had global impact, um, tremendous impact on my own life mm -hmm. and on those here in this community, and also a leader of an amazing mission movement called A21, which is uh, oriented toward ending human trafficking, which uh, is one of the biggest scourges against human dignity yep. in, mm -hmm. in the world ever. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I'm grateful for your, for your mission work, and thank you for joining us for this Empower Conference. Woo! Uh, Jack, without further ado, what's our question for today, brother? Uh, our question for the day, Aaron, is how should, or no, that was last week's, how do you mix social advocacy and evangelization? How do you mix social, social advocacy, advocacy and, evangelization? and evangelization? Awesome. Friends, as a, uh, as, as, as a special guest show, I'm going to donate my two cents to Christine wow. for the day. Wow. That was, that's probably the biggest wow. donation your Listen, ministry has, has ever received. received You're going to take those home with pennies. you, Christine. This is the widow's mind. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> on um, I, I think I'll go first. I'm uh, Do it, tossing Brad. the two cents into the jar. I love this question. So social advocacy and evangelization. How do we how do we bring those together? So um, we were talking before the show about my affinity for Pope Benedict XVI. Before he was ever Pope, um, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, he wrote about the church that it exists to do three things, to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. That that, that is what the church is here to do, right? To worship God, to evangelize, to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, and to care for the poor to look at those who have not been as fortunate as us and to see Jesus in them and to bring them to him just in the same way they bring us to him. And so I think that the first thing we have to look at is that God's design was for us to both share and serve. Okay. So like when, whenever someone comes up to me and they're like, Brad, you're living the missionary life at Damascus. Like I want to be a missionary with my life. And I'm just not sure how to fit it into what I'm doing right now. I'm like, share the gospel and serve, share the gospel and serve, share and serve. So I think the way that we bring these together is by understanding that in both sharing and serving, the aim is bringing that person to Christ. It's to show the person that is 
not as fortunate as we are, that we know someone who also knows them really well and who loves them in all of it, just in the same way that he loves us in all of it, right? And then when we're evangelizing, also recognizing that the, the spiritual impoverished in the Western world today is unbelievable like the spiritual poverty and the care that needs to go there. So again, when I, when I think social advocacy, what I think is advocacy on behalf of society. I think like human dignity. I think all of these things that we need to ha- have a voice for. And when I think evangelization, I think the good news. I don't think those are separatable. <laughs> like I think those are actually in the call of the church. That is what we are designed to do. Jesus says that the poor will be with us always. And he doesn't just mean the economically poor, that across the board, we're going to have people that are desperate and, and that need him because we were once desperate and needed him. And so, uh, I think the bringing together of it is by being a part of the church, being faithful to this Christian faith that's been passed down for millennia and to faithfully live it and to engage it in the world. That would be my two cents. That's beautiful. (laughs) Brad, what are those three things you cited? Yeah. Um, so to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. And what do you call those? Um, so, well, he said that those are the three reasons the church okay. exists. So, that's like, pretty, this is a pretty big statement. Like the three, <laughs> yeah, but, but like the three hallmarks. And I do think that sometimes, I mean, we, when we look at that, it, it, it helps us realize that the on, we're not only called to serve the poor, we're also called to evangelize, yep. right? We're not only called to evangelize, we're also called to care for the, and it has this interchangeability where I think then I'm like, oh yeah, I can do an examine of my life. Am I worshiping God with every breath, with every moment? Am I evangelizing? Have I proclaimed the gospel to those who are in need of it? Like, have I shared with them that Jesus Christ saved me and desires to save them too? And then have I, have I looked to those less fortunate? Have I looked to society and the, the ills of society and said, I'm going to play a part in making those better? Beautiful. Yeah. I think it's a really good examination of conscience, uh, not yeah. not just for the individual, but for ministry organizations, mm. <clears throat> right? That it's, it's like, okay, if I'm a, a ministry organization that maybe I primarily am focused on evangelization, uh, then I need to examine myself and say, okay, are we spending enough time worshiping and our, uh, as an organization? Are we spending enough time serving the poor as well? And what's, what's our, <clears throat> and so is there it? Not just me personally, but if I'm called to lead someone, if I'm leading a parish, if I'm leading a ministry, that these the, it's a great examination for for holistic. Yeah, approach. attending to the needs of today. You and I are in the church today because there's needs in the world today that the the gifts that Jesus has given us as individuals are called to impact. Right, and there's needs in the world today. We have people who have lost their identity, who have lost their way, who don't know they're loved. Well, that's social advocacy. That's seeing something in society and advocating that there is a solution to that, and he has a name, and then evangelization comes in. So they're they're intertwined. It's it's almost uh, it's like a carousel. One actually takes us to the next, right? That that Mother Teresa, on average, it would take her thirty seconds to mention the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's the carousel. <laughs> like she's she's seeing a, a need and a desperation, and knows that Jesus is the solution, but then serves it in the natural to bring it, and then. All of a sudden, we're in that. And I think that when we tie those two together, that's what church is. Well, you know, Jesus did say that whatever you've done to the least, you've done unto me. Hmm. Um, I think it's probably Mother Teresa that said it. Uh, you know, we're not being Jesus to them. They're being Jesus to us. <laughs> if you've done it unto me, um, I know that that greatly shifted my life. Uh, I think if you've truly encountered the resurrected Christ and the Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of us, you can't ignore suffering. Jesus never ignored suffering. You can't ignore. We ought to be the most compassionate people 
on the earth, even throughout the Gospels, any miracle Jesus did was preceded by compassion. I mean, that word is in there consistently. And it, I think it's really quite sad if we've lost our compassion. So one, if you lose your proximity to the poor, to the marginalized, to those that are imprisoned, you, you truly lose God's heart for humanity. Because if what you do to them, what you do unto the least is what you've done unto me, um, I think the, the worship component comes into that when you were talking about worship well okay I'm, I'm worshiping king jesus it is more than just songs mm-hmm. it's outworked with what i do with my time and my talent my treasure and then um why would i want to proclaim what gospel is it perhaps not it's not the why what gospel am i proclaiming if it's not a gospel that also has a whole of life ethic that i would want the whole of life from the womb to the tomb to be transformational in someone's life. If Jesus came that I might have life and life more abundant, that's here on earth as well as in heaven. So why would I not be doing all I can um, for everyone that I can? I'm not saying I can't do it for all of humanity, but, you know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and the second is just like the first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we should want for our neighbor everything we want for ourselves. So if I want my daughter's, to have access to clean water and food. Why wouldn't I want every son and daughter to have that? If I want my daughters to have access to education, safety, um, you know, a justice system. I mean, these are, these are things that we go living on this earth. There's no point being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Uh, we, we actually need, um, we should be so heavenly minded that we are the most earthly good mm. people. I think, I think that that's how it that's should play itself word. out. Yeah. I think it's neat. It, you're, you're almost suggesting, Christine, that the three are so interconnected that if I neglect one, I'm actually not fulfilling the other two. Yeah. So like if it's evangelization or what is it? Proclamation of the word. Yeah. Sorry. So it's worship, evangelization, and service of the yeah. poor. Yes. So if, I, if I'm if i doing worship and evangelization without service of the poor, I'm actually not doing worship and evangelization the right way. If I I'm doing service that. of the poor and, and worship without evangelization, yeah. I'm actually not doing those the right way. It's yeah. that they're interconnected and it's I'm breathing with one life. Uh, Could you imagine there. three things that were interconnected that couldn't be divorced from each other? Oh, wow. Almost like three persons mm. or like three oh. calls. Yeah, never heard like, it. It's, it's a crazy. mystery. It's a mystery. Imagine that. But the one fuels the other. Because Precisely. the fact is that in order to continue to be able to love and serve the poor and the marginalized, I can. my own flesh cannot do that my own heart cannot do that i'm just not it's not my own sinful nature wouldn't allow me to do that but when i'm worshiping king jesus um there's a something that happens in that that fuels me to enable me to continue to go out when i'm talking to people about this wonderful savior well that fuels me and then when i'm connecting with the poor and the marginalized then i'm connecting with christ there's a you know in it's a that then makes me want to talk about this Christ more. And that makes me want to worship this Christ more. And when I'm mm. worshiping this Christ, I'm seeing people. I mean, so mm-hmm. it, you can't, I think in the church, and it really wouldn't matter what stream of the church, we have divorced those things. We have polarized what was never meant to be. Mm. And we've set at odds. So, you know, we Precisely. say things like, is it faith or works? Is it spirit or truth? Is it justice or evangelism? I'm like, where in the scripture does yeah. it say all? It's yeah. both end. Both it's end. both end. Yeah. You know, I think about the body of Christ too. You know, that, that we are, the church is the body of Christ. If, if I had the opportunity to travel back in time and to, and to spend three years in the presence of Christ, would I, would I hang out when Jesus is being celebrated and then leave when he's suffering? Right. 
And, and yet when I serve the body of Christ, I, I try to make an excuse for myself that I feel more comfortable ministering to some, to some aspect of the body of Christ and not to another. That's really good, Aaron. And you can't make that distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron, can I do my two cents? <clears throat> Let's do, do it. I, do I have the authority? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you actually have no authority to change my mind. Yes. Um, so how do we mix social advocacy and evangelization? I, I, I would say with intentionality and with messiness. And so um, uh, we do have a crisis in the church today where there are camps, there, there are evangeliza- evangelization camps, and there's justice camps, right? And they, they usually aren't working together. And so uh, these are meant to be the two legs upon which the body of Christ walks, uh, and, and then the heart would be worship. And, if, and so I think in order to accomplish this, we have to be intentional because here at Damascus, we are primarily an evangelizing organization. And so if we're going to incorporate social advocacy, it, we have to spend time to intentionally think about it, right? Your, your ministry, A21, may be primarily social advocacy. So if you're going to incorporate evangelization, you have to be intentional. And when, when you're intentional on incorporating, then it gets messy. And I think that's where one of the reasons we don't do it is because we're afraid of the messiness, right? Uh, that when when things get a little, uh, it, it, just when they're messy, when they're complicated, when they, when you're figuring it out, it, it's hard. It takes more work, and it's uh, it's not convenient. And so, I think just making sure that okay, if we if we do want to be authentically church, let's take time to intentionally think through this. And then if we want to be authentically church, let's recognize that being authentically church will be messy. We have to look no further than the life of Jesus, where his ministry methodology, which wedded these two things so beautifully together, was extremely intentional and it was extremely messy. And because of that, the church leaders of his day actually rejected him and crucified him. It was the church leaders who... who because of his messiness, led him to the cross. And I think that's why a lot of times we're afraid to do, uh, to maybe bridge these, these, these avenues as closely as they need to be, because when we start bridging them, they're not as black and white. They're not as clean as we would sometimes like. And, uh, and we're just afraid of that mess. Because, and, and, but if we want to imitate Jesus, I think we have to do both. And we just have to be expected that when you do both, it's going to be messy and some people are going to throw a fit and they're not going to like it. I like that a lot. I think it goes against your, your kind of like uh, two ways that you can fall, right? So like if you're like hyper orderly, you're like, I am, I am mess averse all the time, right? And if you're, if you're kind of like not orderly, sometimes you're intentionality averse where it's like, well, that's not organic if it's, if it's intentional, you know? But you're right. There is this ability that we find in Jesus to do both. That, that he didn't speak a word that was unintentional. He didn't take a step that was unintentional. He didn't find himself in a place that was unintentional. And at the same time, when messiness happened there, he didn't leave. He didn't run from it. He didn't guard himself from it. And so I do think that that, that speaks to both sides of like your own temperament. Like, so anyone listening today can grow from that because they might be like, I tolerate a lot of messiness in my life and I'm kind of okay with it. It's like, okay. How, how can you make that intentional, right? Or I'm intentional all the time and I do not even get close. Well, how can you get there? I even think at the beginning in Genesis, like when, when the Lord speaks, order is brought into the chaotic waters, but the chaotic, but there, <laughs> the chaos doesn't fully leave. 
Like there's, there's still this, this mystery, this mystique, this, this order that's coming up, it's springing, but then animals are crawling everywhere. And like, because the Lord is doing both right. Intentionality. An example of that was when I was youth minister, we were um, doing evangelization to inner city youth and just through friendship, playing basketball with them, building relationship. We were working with another ministry that was doing incredible uh, social work with them. And these kids then said they wanted to be uh, become Catholic. And so our parish is like, oh, okay, let's put them through uh, RCIA, you know, and, but these are inner city youth who are in extremely broken homes. One, one parent or both parents are in prison. What the grandma's raising them. They don't have uh, alarm clocks to wake up and get to the church. Like, and it was just so messy to figure out how, how do we welcome these young people into our church through, and, the structure of RCIA, it, it wasn't the means by which to most effectively welcome these young people into the faith. And so it took a lot more work. It took a lot more intentionality. And it was kind of a mess as we were trying to figure it out. But ultimately, they came into baptism. You know, they became sons and daughters of God. And so uh, I think, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking of the scripture that says, uh, where there are no oxen, the stables are clean. And, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and literally in um, Psalms, I think. And it says, and so the interesting thing to me is that um, if you don't want to reach people or help people, the stables will be clean. But wherever people are involved and in every generation of the church, we have to wrestle with this. You know, I think as you were just talking then and using that uh, story about inner city kids, I was thinking of the Jerusalem Council when all of these Gentiles, which are all of us, uh, that have been, um, you know, born again into the church of God. And they're like going, I want you to jump through all of these hoops. And the, and, and the apostles are like, uh, let's have a meeting. Okay, let's try. We might have to rethink our methodology or rethink mm-hmm. our entry points. And okay, maybe it's not going to be circumcision or this sort of, how about we just, make it these three things. But I'm just thinking that there are, there are, we have to wrestle in every generation and, and gra- grapple, is what we're doing hindering people from coming closer to Jesus or is it helping them come closer to Jesus? And um, Jesus understands everyone's whole of life. So when they're coming in broken, we, we can't expect them to start where we are finished. I mean, this is 35 years of sanctification and I've still got a long way to go. And so I'm thinking after 35 years, um, when we bring people in, when we're reaching the poor and the marginalized and the lost, you know, I came from a background where I had experienced, um, you know, I, w- I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I was, I didn't have a name on my birth certificate. I was just a number. I, I was the victim of childhood sexual abuse. So when I came to faith in Christ, my spirit was immediately born again and when, when, I, when, when I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus. But was I still messed up <laughs> uh, in many other ways because of the shame and the guilt and um, what I carried, the brokenness, which the, the abuse will do that to you, marginalization will do that to you, poverty uh, will do that to you, being the daughter of Greek immigrants, all of those things. They, Jesus knew. And so when I came into the church, I needed a church that loved me enough to have enough grace to go, you're being sanctified. There's a process. You're you're in here and we need to meet you where you're at. And, you know, things matter. Like we we need to deal with your broken heart. We need to, you know, we talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, I did love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. It's just that I had a very broken heart. I had a very wounded soul. 
and I had a very tormented mind. And so I needed time in the word and in confession and in prayer and community for those things to be made right. Like, so what's shocking to me is how we could think that we're going to go to all these broken people and overnight, suddenly praying a sinner's prayer is going to save your soul from hell. Being baptized into the church is going to save your soul. We've got some work to do to renew the mind and to, to, to fix. Also, we should care about what, what can I personally do and what can we as a church do to not only put an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff to mop up the mess, but to put some nets at the top to go, this injustice doesn't need to happen. We, we could actually start some programs. We could actually intervene in some areas. We could actually move some of our church finances from this really over-serviced area to this really underserviced area. I mean, there are some pragmatic things we can do, and I think the Lord's given us the wisdom to do that um, so we can help people. So I just think that um, we have to be continually looking at who is it that's in our community that God has called us to reach and not pretend that they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> because they are there. And yeah. that's so well, that, and I think sometimes we yeah. just want the clean stable. And, and it's like, whoa, when it's clean, I don't have to clean up. And and I don't want people to think things are dirty, so we don't and we don't welcome in because of that. And of all the people that should be the least embarrassed, it should be us because God welcomed us in. And we were such a mess. Uh, we were such hey, a mess. Speak for yourself, oh, you were Christine. Perfect. I mean, okay. come you, on. I, know, you were right. yeah. I can see the halo. Yeah, you know, you. So it's just, but we were a mess. And so I don't, again, I think it comes back to a hard issue because who but us should be any, we should be the most merciful people on the earth. We mm-hmm. should be the people that, that we have been recipients of such amazing grace. If we truly believe what we profess to believe, we have been saved from eternal damnation into eternal life mm-hmm. with Christ. Are you kidding me? Given that while I was yet a sinner, he first loved me, he gave his life for me. The response ought to be, who can I help? What can I do? Where can and Come as you are. You're not going to stay as you are, but come as you are, and then That's we'll right. work through that. Yeah, well, because Jesus never lost who someone was for who they could be. Totally. And, and we do want both. Like, like he wants both. I, I once heard a line and I love it. It says that the Lord couldn't love you more than he does right now. And he loves you way too much to keep you that way. 100%. Like that's just so 100%. clean. It's so right because he, he is welcoming you in as you are. Like I, I imagine Simon, it's like Simon come to me and he saw Peter in Simon. Like he, he saw Peter in Simon and, and, he walked with Simon, had Simon as he was, and Simon was making these mistakes. And even after he was Peter, he still had mistakes, but he saw who Peter could be, but he never once rejected who Simon was in the name of who Peter could be. And, and he did that with me, and he did that with you, and, and he wants to do that with everyone. And his ministry was messy because of Simon. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. He's cleaning up Simon's crap all the time. Yeah. Let's give Chris her two. Yeah, Aaron okay, keeping I'm, us on track. Thank, thank you, Aaron. Thanks, we Dad. needed somebody. We could go... Um, Wait, wait, I, Christine, you're not allowed to talk until you put the two cents in. I'm sorry. I just, if we're going to work. my times two. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So, okay, I'm, I'm bantering because I think I'm breaking all the rules. I'm so sorry. Yeah, about no. um, that, but that here's two, a thought woven into two. We do not do acts of social justice, social advocacy um, as a secret. I'm sort of doing this. So I can really do this. But acts of justice and advocacy give us 
allow us to earn the right to proclaim the gospel to people. And I'm saying this from, um, I didn't start rescuing the victims of human trafficking so that, but I can tell you in nations, and we're in 14 nations around the world, um, and some of those nations are, I mean, forget even, not, not Christian, I mean, Buddhist nations or Hindu or Muslim nations, like overtly that's but Christians are a minority at like 2% in some of the nations where we work. So I can tell you um, those nations were never previously inviting me into arenas, I mean, it, literally football stadiums to proclaim Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, coming back again. I mean, the gospel. Um, that there is no other name by which man can be saved, but by the name of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. To make such absolute proclamational declarations of the gospel, that has all come subsequent to working for years, and in some cases for over a decade and a half, with governments, law enforcement, the legal profession, the medical profession, the education department in those nations um, to help reach the vulnerable, to help rescue the victim and to help restore survivors of human trafficking. And because our work has been so far above approach, uh, reproach, because um, we have worked with and not against governments, um, different religious institutions, depending on who's uh, ruling in certain nations. Um, as a result of that, in countries like Pakistan, in countries like India, in countries like Qatar, in countries like Indonesia, I, who am a woman, have been invited in at the, because in many of those countries you have to have the approval of the various um, governments to speak, and we're talking arenas, 50 plus thousand people, and unapologetically, zero watered down, proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ um, and proclaim good news in nations that Christians might make up 2% of the population. And um, that is because they're like, well, we have been watching what you've been doing for 15 years. Now we're willing to listen to what you've got to say. So tell us why do you do Mm -hmm. what you do? Yeah. Why is there, why? And I'm like, why do you care for our people more than we do? Why do you care for our children more than we do? Because you want to abolish four-year-olds being able to have uh, be exploited for you know sexual services. And I'm saying we we care so much for the women in your nation, for the children in your nation. We love your nation so much. And they're like, why? Why? Why would you? Well, there's only one reason. I could actually even do this. And mm-hmm. and let me tell you. And then. Um, one-on-one, it starts there, and 15 years later, it's now arenas. It's now having our bodies are not commodities curriculum in schools throughout the world. Every state here in America, it took us 10 years to pass every education department's criteria in order to have a curriculum that would be able to be done from K through to 12. And people are like, why are you doing this education stuff? Why are you making our uh, films, our Can You See Me campaign has gotten – London Film Festival Award, Cannes Film Festival Award, Tonys, mm. Emmys, uh, every, everything you could – I hope I've got the right film ones with the Tonys or the Emmys, whichever one it is, the Tonys uh, or the Emmys, whichever one. Okay, so get <laughs> no, me. No, no, I don't know, no. but it's one of those. But it's all of the Prague Film Festival. Um, so making world-class 
films mm-hmm. um, that have gotten major awards in the film industry that suddenly are now being played in Super Bowl halftime commercials that are on billboards and airports all around the world. Now, out of that, people are like intrigued. Something done with such excellence, something that truly cares for the poor and the marginalized and the disenfranchised, the fastest growing crime worldwide is the trafficking of human beings. It's growing faster than the trafficking of armaments or drugs is the trafficking of human beings. So when they ask me and when heads of government say to me, why do you do this? I say, well, you know, I believe that there's only one thing that's created in the image of God, and that's humans. So I can't understand how on my watch on this earth, the only thing created in the image of God, I said, I love animals, but animals have got more rights than traffic victims. I love this, and I'll go through. I love creation with a passion. I'm mm-hmm. an avid hiker. But you know what? Um, there is only one thing that's created in the image of the creator, and that's not a tree. It's a person. So let me tell you why I'm giving my life to this. Because, and I mean, yeah. suddenly you start having these conversations, larger conversations about, um, about God. And why, why does your Christian God care so much about people? Well, because you're not going to find it in Buddhism. You're not going to find it in Hindu. The Imago Dei, the fact that we are created and, and that it matters from the moment of conception to the, the moment we enter the tomb, we are a very strange religion that actually believes that, like Uh worldwide. Like when you're talking about the global religions and there's not that many people that are saying, so I want to advocate for that person. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, why? Oh, because let me tell you about the one that made that person Mm -hmm. and in whose image Mm -hmm. that person is made. Well, you want to tell me that's not an opportunity to evangelize from the top down? (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Built into the body. Yes. Yeah. Almost, I think even your first, your very first point, Christine, when you said you, we don't do this so that we can do this, I think there is something that in the very act of caring for the least of these is the proclamation of the gospel. That it is the self-gift of myself to another or my love for this person because of who they are that is releasing the gospel into the world. And, and then it opens up the every opportunity as you said for the practical proclamation of the gospel totally i think it's really where you have to see it of the proclamation proclamation and affirmation if we don't affirm what we proclaim to profess to believe through our actions then really our proclamation has no power yeah it really doesn't because it's, it's backed up by the Spirit of God through what we're doing. So we're saying to a lot of people, we're out there every week and we're declaring the gospel. We, we think if there's no power, it's because we're not living it. And if we're living it, there's power to it and it attracts people to it, yep. I think. Amen. Thanks for your witness, Christine. Yeah. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> I mean, even just uh, as, as you speak, like, you know, the three of us pour our lives out here every single day, but as you speak, something's coming alive in me. Mm-hmm. And, and we need individuals who not only are doing this, but also are witnessing right. because it, it, it awakens something that's so necessary. In us. I, I love mm-hmm. what you just said, because even when Jesus said um, for um, that, uh, let me just, I want to get this right. I think in, uh, earlier in John 17, um, that Jesus came, so that he could bear witness to the truth. It'll come on me. It'll, it'll, the, the scripture will come. But it's like that, that um, the power of God, the Holy Spirit is upon us to give us the power to be witnesses, not to mm-hmm. do witnessing. Mm-hmm. So to be witnesses mm-hmm. and, the, and, to be, and, and he, he gives us the power to 
He gave Jesus the power to bear witness to the truth. Therefore, if in our life we're not bearing witness in the way we live our lives with our time, our talent, our money, loving those that Jesus loved, going and serving those that Jesus came, we're not bearing witness to the truth. And and I think we have put so much emphasis on the power to do witnessing as opposed to the power to be witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're um, working with the poor and the marginalized and doing justice bears witness. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to take advantage of that moment uh, and transition us. We want to be a show that's not just about talking about theory, but actually living it on mission. So our, our missionary mission momentum for today is where we're going to give you a challenge to live out today's message. I think we've, we've shared a lot. We've heard a lot uh, today and my heart's on fire. I want to, I want to see how each of the three of you would, would call us forth to live it. Yeah, I'll draw mine from my two cents. I think if you're a person who has a tendency to want to proclaim and speak at, go love and serve. And if you're someone who goes and loves and serves, feel out how you can share truth in a new way, how you can bring good news to people. So with those two ideas of evangelizing and and caring for the poor, sharing the good news and serving those who the Lord loves, whichever one you have a proclivity to do more of, do the other one in a very intentional way this coming week and, and see what God has for you there. That's good, Brad. Thanks. Um, I think my uh, mission momentum is is going to be uh, have a conversation with someone who is uh, on the streets. Uh, and if you can't, if you don't typically see someone on the streets when you're driving, uh, drive into a neighborhood where there is someone on the streets and just have a human conversation with them and ask them their story and get to know their story. Um, and if the door is opened, then pray with them. Okay, I would say pray and ask God to give you eyes to see. who. It, it, like, very practically. So in the morning, say today, this day, help me to see and notice someone that I would otherwise not see and notice. And it could be a homeless person. It could be, it could, could be any person. But I believe that's where it all starts, that we, we pray for our hearts to be awakened and eyes to see. Um, the very people we're meant to be serving that we're probably walking past every single day. Yeah, beautiful. So good. I want, I want to close this off with one final quick reflection. So uh, Dan shared earlier in his two cents the, the word messiness and how often social uh, mission is messy. It, it's messy organizationally. It creates for messy mission trips and messy strategy and sometimes messy budgets, right? It's also messy personally. And I think that can make us afraid. Uh, I worked in construction for uh, a, a time with my dad, and one of my favorite things to do was uh, was sewer plumbing. And uh, I promise this will come <laughs> together, right? It's 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 so funny to see and to watch and to participate in, uh, because when you engage in the process of plumbing sewer lines, you try to stay as far away from the mess as possible until the point at which you get covered in mess, and then all of a sudden it's very easy, right? Uh, yes. Have, yes. have you experienced this yourself? Because <laughs> once no, you're covered it's, in it's it, like then you just keep going. Baby yep. yeah. it's like once it's running down, yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. Metaphor, anymore. Metaphor's exactly. coming. I see. Yeah. It. That's oh, I don't great. know, guys. I, I don't think it ever becomes just, easy. Just live, just live it, Dan. Okay. So, so I, I would just, I would just you encourage like if this. if there's any part of you that fights this, you you gotta you gotta step in, and I, I believe that when you do, your heart will will come alive, and and mission will be 
will be easy for you because that's what we're made for. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining today. Uh, this has been a, a sweet show. Thank you, Chris, for being here. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, if you're watching this after the fact and you weren't at the Empower Conference, I am confident that you have missed something great. Uh, tonight's going to be sweet. I can't wait to, to worship with you and to, uh, and to share mm-hmm. this message with this community here at Damascus. Friends, Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter meets Mission, we're here every week and we answer questions from you, our audience. Please like, comment, subscribe. If this show has been inspiring to you, share it with someone who you think needs it. And if you want to have your question answered in a subsequent episode, um, comment or, or send us an email. Jack loves to receive your fan mail. And, uh, and we'll take it from there. Friends, remember always, mission, mission makes, makes sense. sense. I was so into it that I missed it. And Dang. we'll see you again next week. God bless you. <laughs>